here as well that these people were going out not even primarily out of a concern for the lost. It wasn't that they were big-hearted people so much. They were doing it for the sake of the name, because of who God is and because of who the Lord Jesus is, first and foremost. Their lives, their hearts had been totally captivated by that name. And that's where they were coming, where John is coming from, and where these, these uh, fellow believers were coming from. And because of this heart commitment, they weren't accepting anything from the Gentiles. And that sort of created a bit of, a, a bit of an issue. But Jesus had said, Matthew 10 and 8, freely give, freely you've received, freely give. And so they weren't, willing to, they weren't accepting anything from the people they were going to. They had no hidden motives. They weren't doing it to get famous. They weren't, certainly weren't doing it to get rich. So John, they were, they were just genuine people who were doing it for the sake of the name, out of love for the one they were following. So John encourages Gaius to send them on a, in a way, on their way in a manner worthy of God, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Not only would the message look a little bit strange, the, the message of the love of God and so on look a bit strange if Gaius wasn't willing to walk his talk, but what he's saying, John is saying, yeah, there's actually great joy to be had in being a fellow worker for the truth. There's no higher calling. Didn't get any better than that. So they weren't, they weren't missing out by, by being uh, fellow workers for the truth. This is followed in verses 9 to 10 by the contrast of diotrophies. He was playing it really close to the chest. He was thinking about diotrophies and only about diotrophies. Self-interest was his motive rather than the truth about God. And the very telling statement, of course, is verse 9, who likes to put himself first. Not a very good motive, is it? But cuts a little bit close to the to the to uh, to the to, to me anyone what I'm like. No Christian leader, of course, should ever set themselves up as Lord over God's people, rather as examples of the servanthood and uh, servanthood. And Jesus, the Lord Jesus, uh, taught that and, and right throughout the Bible. Because of this false motive, there was no truthfulness or love or goodness in Diotrephes' position, in contrast to Gaius. So what does this mean for us today? We live in a world that has rejected not just biblical truth, but the very concept of truth. Tolerance has become the high moral ground. So we're all free to choose our own truth, and my truth is just as valid as your truth, and don't anybody dare to try and say otherwise. Obviously, if we applied that sort of thinking to maths or science or medicine or any other field of inquiry over the centuries, we'd still be in the dark ages. We all know, everybody knows that, not, that you know, all ideas are obviously not of equal value. And yet somehow or another, people suck this up and think that it's, it's, it's okay. But we've now gone even further, as in the likes of transgen transge transgender ideas, where insist that our preferences actually transcend reality and truth, that our preferences are somehow not just valid, but supreme. Whatever we hold is to be respected by everybody else. That might be good for our egos, but it leaves us absolutely high and dry 
as far as any bearings or directions or meaning or purpose in life. It just leaves you afloat, doesn't it? Like there is no direction. There is no purpose. That's what it's saying, of course. But the added difference, you know, this was bad enough in John's day, but the added difference in our generation, which sets it apart from all others, is that our di digital, digital technology makes this sort of self-oriented lifestyle much more plausible than it's ever, ever been before. It allows us to, the, the power we have through the instruments, it allows us to feel that we are gods, that we are in charge, that we can actually create our own truth. We can do just about anything with it, whether it's true or false or anything else. Who knows, but we can just about do anything. And we, th There's more reason for us believing we're gods than there probably ever has been. But is it ever any wonder that, on the other hand, we're struggling more than ever with mental health and wellness issues? We're coming seriously adrift from reality, as we used to say, or sort of a bit away with the fairies. No wonder we're struggling with a sense of identity or meaning or purpose. It's just, a, just a, all adrift. Note here that I'm not suggesting for one moment that this sort of self-focus is the only cause of mental illness. Not at all. I'm not pretending to be an expert in that field, and that's not the case. But we are certainly not helping the situation by cutting ourselves off from any anchor for our souls, from any ultimate reality, from anything that is absolutely dependable that you can trust. We're cutting ourselves off from all that. That's quite a big downside. So as much as we don't want to put anyone, anyone down, the disregard for any such thing as truth that we're experiencing is destructive, totally destructive of our peace of mind. It forecloses any such possibility to have a peace of mind. And there are parts of the Bible which can seem harsh, even embarrassingly harsh, but they're proving so totally true in our generation. Now, I'm just going to read a couple of those passages, and I don't like reading them. I sort of like to avoid them and, and read somewhere else. Romans 1, 18 to 24 makes a shocking statement. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, push it down, bury it. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. There's, there's a wonderful order of creation all around about that couldn't just happen. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. The design is so obvious it couldn't, as I said before, just happen. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they had plenty evidence of him, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of their mortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds and animals and creeping things. Because they were quite happy, like many of us, so many of us today, to, to accept stuff that isn't true, but weren't even worried about that. Therefore... God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because he exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the Creator rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And Second Thessalonians, along this very similar vein, chapter 2, verses 7 to 12. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. 
This is nothing new. Only he who now restrains, thank God, will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sent them a strong delusion so that they will believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. A lot of significant words in there. These sort of statements, they seem really over the top. But the sort of deception that they're talking about is happening everywhere in our world today, right throughout the media. It is just there full in our face all the time. So we'd be fools to shut our minds and eyes to it. We can't just deliberately close our minds to the very concept of truth without there being some pretty shocking repercussions. Because nobody can change the truth. The truth stands forever. On the other hand, and we're getting back onto, onto to, to good ground, ground again, Jesus offered his followers that glorious lifeline in John 8 and 12 when he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So verse 15 down the bottom here of 3 John, peace be to you. Just as life without any ultimate meaning or purpose can lead only to futility and despair, so true faith and the truth about God leads to, truth, leads to peace. Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Technology was pretty, pretty primitive in those days. Letter writing was about as good as it got as far as communicating at a distance was concerned. But even in those days, as we see in verses 13 and 14, John actually preferred the reality of meeting his, these people face to face. How much more important then is it today in our digital world with all its vast ability to distort and deceive, how much more important is it to see, speak to people face to face? You know, we spend so much time sitting and walking around focused on our electronic devices. Actually, the oblivious to the world all around us. No wonder we're so open to deception, is it? Never has the call to the truth been more vital to our sense of health and wellness than it is today. When all is said and done, there isn't anything better than to be able to sing from our hearts our next song, It Is Well With My Soul. This was written, I understand, by a guy who had just lost his wife and family in the sinking of the Titanic. And yet he could sing because of his faith. It is nonetheless well with my soul. So thanks, uh, you knew those, uh, the Trabulco family again. Good on you. Thanks. <laughs>